Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello out there, everybody, and welcome to episode 107, 107 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Uh, episode 106, we actually had an interview, so good to get interviews back in the fold here. Uh, with that being said, it is another week of packed Seattle sports information and news, so let's just get into it. Uh, Seattle Seahawks in their past game. They played week six at the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football in Heinz Field. They would lose that game in a score of 20 to 23 in overtime. Get into postgame thoughts. I mean, this is another disappointing loss for our Seahawks. It's just when you're out, Russell Wilson, uh, things are going to look different and expectations are going to be different. Gino played well as well as a backup could for a guy who, you know, hasn't played meaningful stat, sat, uh, snaps in years. For him to come in and play how he did, you know, didn't throw an interception. I, I can't complain. Uh, but he, as you know, you know well, he's no Russell Wilson. You know, with the difference being three points in this game, you put Russell Wilson in. The Seahawks more than likely win this game. They move on, you know, and they they get back on the winning track. That wasn't the case, obviously. Um, Alex Collins played well in this game. Had a hundred yards, uh, but. I don't know, but Collins played well, uh, and overall it looked really good just to see him perform well, considering that there was no uh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson was, is on IR now, um, so he's out till week third, 10, pardon me, week three. I got my numbers confused there. He's out for three weeks at minimum. Uh, so Collins played well. The offensive play calling remains an issue. It continues to be seen that you know, the offensive play calling doesn't make sense. There's a lot of stuff. There was one drive in particular where it was two run plays and then a screen pass, running back screen. And the running back screen's fine, but why don't you run that screen on first or second down, you know, when the Steelers were keying on the, the run game? So, you know, it's it's just these decisions where you, you got to wonder if Shane Waldron's offensive play calling has been shackled a bit by Pete Carroll or something's going on. Because all offseason we were promised dynamic, you know, getting the talented players the ball, all this stuff, you know, that was completely different than what we're seeing now, and we're not being delivered on these promises. So it'll be interesting to see how that may change, and I wonder how much of that was, you know, the play calling uh, around, you know, Smith. Um, so offensive play calling, I'm hoping that's an issue that one day the Seattle Seahawks are able to figure out. I mean, we've been talking about this for years and years, you know, basically since, you know, Russell's been here. Um, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams continues to struggle with catching interceptions. Uh, he had a ball, the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage earlier in the game. The ball went straight up in the air. Daryl Taylor missed it at first. I believe it was Daryl Taylor. And then uh, Jamal had a chance, had a boat. Those guys both missed. So that one I can kind of forgive. Uh, the second one was late in the fourth quarter. Probably would have helped the Seahawks win the game in the end of the fourth. Um, ball hit Jamal right in the face. Right him in the helmet. Uh, so <sighs> catching picks has been a problem for Jamal. Obviously, last year dealing with injury and in his shoulder, that was something that was a little bit tough. But, I mean, that one yesterday would kind of hit him in the face. You really got to hope that he gets that. And then he holds on to that. Um, uh, the defensive defense needs to be better prepared uh defense played a little bit better than it has in weeks past you know you give up a ton of points um but there was one key play amongst others in particular that really can't happen 
defensive end Benson Mayoa was in coverage in the red zone on Pittsburgh Steelers running back Najee Harris in man coverage. And Pittsburgh was able to see that and just get in the ball. Easy touchdown. That can't happen. You can't have any defensive end on any running back, really. Uh, like, unless this is, you know, your rec league on, you know, Saturdays, this, you know, it's not going to work. Um, so, yeah, that that's another part of the lovely Ken Norton defense that needs to be fixed. And, you know, that's an excuse, inexcusable. Uh, and then, you know, most of the game after this happened was kind of just, I don't know, it felt nullified, at least to me. Uh, Daryl Taylor suffered a neck injury, uh, had to come out of the game. So we will talk about that when it comes to injury news. But as we get to stat leaders uh, passing, for the first time in what feels like a decade or so, uh, Russell Wilson will not lead in this category. It's Geno Smith completing 23, at completion, yeah, 23 completions on 32 attempts, 209 yards, and one TD. He was sacked five times. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Gino played about as well as a backup could, considering all the circumstances around him. Uh, overall, can't complain with Gino's performance in total. The fumble at the end of the game, you know, that I could be mad about and maybe a little bit upset. But overall, uh, Gino, Gino did his job. Uh, rushing, Alex Collins led 20 carries, 101 yards, and one touchdown. Receiving-wise, DK Metcalf led six receptions for 58 yards. Tackles-wise, Bobby Wagner led with 14 total tackles, eight solo. And then turnovers-wise, the only turnovers that the Seahawks were able to force, uh, Kerry Hyder Jr. had one fumble recovery. Uh, offensive MVP, I had Alex Collins just because he ran the ball well. Uh, can't really give it to Gino because it wasn't exactly a crazy performance and no receiver had a crazy performance. Uh, Defensive-wise, Trey Brown. Trey Brown came in, really felt like the first game he's really been available um, the first time he was targeted in the game, first time he was put in the game, Ben threw at him in this direction, made a good play. Uh, and then when later in the game, in the I believe it was in the overtime period, uh, the Steelers had a fourth and medium, uh, threw an, a pass out to a, a wide receiver who had about four open yards in front of him to get the first. Trey Brown was able to close, get square, get low make a great tackle to force the Steelers to punt back to the Seahawks. So he had a good game and it's exciting to see a cornerback, you know, in this cornerback room with Seattle uh, show some promise and he's young, he's a rookie. So hopefully that spells good, good news for the Seahawks going forward. And at least with Trey Brown, uh, but maybe uh, I don't, I don't know if I could say that, but hopefully maybe the other cornerbacks take notice and they're able to step some things up. Cause yeah, it, it's been rough sailing cornerbacks wise for our Seahawks here. Um, just, just frustrating uh, considering everything that's taken place uh, with having, having Russell go out with injury, um, but also, you know, the play calling and the way the defense has been, it's, it's you know, all this talent is great and all. But if it's not utilized correctly, there's no point in having it. It's like, you know, I've got the keys to the Ferrari and I just throw them at the ground. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, So, you know, I mean, this is frustrating because this is a story that has been told on the show here several times where the keys to the Ferrari are there, but the vehicle itself is not being driven correctly. So. Uh, injury related news prior to game time, both Russell and Chris Carson were placed on injured reserve. 
Carson is still dealing with a neck injury. Uh, both are eligible to return in week 10 versus the Packers, uh, as well as offensive tackle Cedric Ogbwehi was ruled out for the game. Game day inactives, Ogbwehi's on that list. Cornerback John Reed, center Dakota Shepley, left tackle Stone Forsyth, head end Taylor Mabry, and defensive end LJ Collier all join him on that list. Um, uh, it's the fourth time in the past six weeks that Collier's been a healthy scratch. That's not a good sign, especially for a guy that this team wasted a decent draft pick on. So that's uh, just continuing to be indicative of the way that this team drafts a lot of struggles in recent years. Um, so hoping that, well, and that's the thing too, that the Seahawks haven't exactly forced a ton of sacks. So it's not like there are other defensive ends on this roster that are, you know, forcing Collier just to miss games. just because there's so much talent above him. Not necessarily team is pretty low in sacks total. And that's kind of just been outshadowed in general because of the fact about how bad this defense has been in coverage wise. So, you know, <sighs> frustrating stuff, man. Uh, Post game injury wise, cornerback Tony Jones, the fourth exited the game with a chest injury, offensive guard, Damian Lewis exited with a shoulder injury. Uh, and then for Daryl, Daryl Taylor, after a scary sight during the game, uh, Taylor had to be carted off the field. He had, had a tackle he was making in a run play where his neck was effectively squished. Uh, that was still care, scary. Um, that was scary to see. Um, one second. Okay. That was scary to see. Um, he had to be cut out the field. Both teams came onto the field off the benches to sort of surround him. Um, oops. Sorry. Uh, Taylor had to be carted off and was sent to the nearest hospital. Uh, it was reported that he was alert, had all use of his extremities, uh, and his CT scans were clear after being taken to the hospital. He would be able to fly home with Seattle uh, the night after the game. Um, and it was announced on Monday that Taylor did not suffer a neck injury that was uh, de- detectable on their uh, test that he took. And he has a possibility to play in week seven. Uh, obviously I feel like the possibility of playing in week seven is a little bit of an afterthought considering that, you know, neck injuries, how serious those are, but good to see DT still, still well. I mean, that's any, any neck injuries concerning, uh, especially the fact that you consider, you know, Chris Carson has had a recurring neck injury. That's concerning as well. So even, even on Monday night, the, the Monday night game, uh, Taylor Lewan left tackle for the Titans had to come out and was stretchered off. Uh, he was able to give a thumbs up. It's still, you know, that stuff, that stuff's scary, man. Um, we play this game is a fast paced game. There's a lot of big bodies running around uh, at high speeds, high velocities colliding on it. You know, that impacts not exactly light. So scary stuff sometimes um, in team related news on October 12th, the team released four-year starting cornerback Trey Flowers. The initial report was that Flowers requested his release, uh, but in a press conference following the move, Pete Carroll said that this was false. Also on the 12th, the team worked out a veteran quarterback, Blake Bortles. Bortles has 73 career starts and was the quarterback on the 2018 Jaguars team that made it to the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. October 16th, the team elevated quarterback Jake Luton and wide receiver Philip Dorsett from the practice squad ahead of the game on Sunday. 
Then October 18th, Pete Carroll stated that Seattle has spoken with Cam Newton. He did not get into specifics, but has said that Seattle has spoken to the to Newton in particular, as well as everybody who could help us in terms of quarterbacks, as Russell Wilson is currently out for the time being. Uh, in league-related news, the Washington football team retired Sean Taylor's number 21. Uh, if you know football, I'm hoping that you know the story of Sean Taylor. Taylor was a great story. Uh, really an incredibly talented player um, who who uh, was a family man uh, and who was shot and killed in his own home in a, a burglary um, really early on in his career and in his life. Um, and it was really just a tragic story. Such a, a family man who left behind a wife and a daughter um, incredibly talented, but obviously that takes second place to the man that he was, uh, and he was shot and killed in his own home. Uh, so, you know, difficult to see, and obviously it's really late and this should have been done a while ago, but Taylor's number 21 is retired, uh, on really short notice. And in terms of that short notice, uh, team president, Jason Wright apologized. So apologies. Great. But, you know, as you've known, if you know, football, for a while, the way that the Washington football team has been run organizationally is terrible. So uh, other news, Monday Night Football wildcard game will broadcast on ESPN. The network reached a five-year deal to broadcast NFL playoff games on Monday nights. ESPN already hosts Monday Night Football anyway, so it just makes sense that with the new Monday Night Playoff games uh, coming up, that ESPN hosts those as well. Uh, an NFL lawyer is part of a new email league. The NFL's Jeff Pash and ex-Washington general manager Bruce Allen exchanged emails that included jokes about the league's diversity efforts as well as a league fine. Uh, speaking about email leagues, John Gruden, Gruden and Davis, Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, appear to be taking a path towards a settlement rather than a legal battle in terms of his remaining contract. Davis would speak out against the emails that Gruden sent saying that it is not what we stand for as the uh, Raiders organization. To finish out the Seahawks, the Seahawks have a 2-4 and record. They are fourth in the NFC West. Their upcoming game is Week 7 against the New Orleans Saints on October 25th. This is Monday Night Football, a 5.15 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on ESPN. Looking to bounce back there, but it won't be easy considering the Saints are a well-run team year in and year out uh Jameis winston taking over as the quarterback uh the team has a possibility to get wide receiver michael thomas back so saints might get a good weapon back just in time to play seattle uh luckily that game is in seattle so if that's any saving grace you know hopefully uh, the team's able to get a boost from playing back at home in front of the 12s uh, in terms of the mariners when the off season here the mlb there's no <laughs> there's no Mariners news uh, just some league notes. MLB will give housing to minor league players. Uh, the league agreed unanimously to give housing to minor league players. Uh, it will require teams to provide housing for minor leaguers starting in 2022. The formal plan uh, regarding this has not been announced yet. So this is uh, something that's been talked about, uh, but hasn't. there's no real plan that's been put in place quite yet. Uh, that's all that comes regarding the Mariners. They're looking at free agency here down the road. Uh, this is your time for Hom Seattle. It is H O M S S E A T T L E dot com. Hom Seattle, heart on my sleeve. Uh, a really good 
cause that goes forward with this. Race Porter's done a great job with that. And I know they've got some great stuff on their website uh, when they're not releasing limited drops. So I would go check it out. It's H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E.com. Hum Seattle. Hums has your back in the loving, big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Uh, in terms of the Seattle Sounders, as we move on here, October 16th, the team traveled down to Houston to play the Dynamo. The team would lose 2-1 to one to Houston. Uh, player of the game would be at Jimmy Madranda. Madranda had one shot, one on target, resulting in one goal with a 72.7 pass percentage. The Sounders lose to the 12th team in the Western Conference, Houston, on the road. Uh, overall, it's a tough loss, but it's not the end of the world, just considering that... Um, just considering that the the Sounders have already locked up a first round buy and a playoff spot. So uh, not the end of the world, but still relatively annoying uh, and something that is frustrating. You know, um, the team sits at a 17 win, six draw and six loss record. They are number one in the Western conference and second in the MLS in points with 57. They stay at number one in the Western conference because both Colorado and Sporting Kansas City lost their games over the past weekend. Looking ahead, uh, it's funny that I mentioned those teams because the team, the Sounders, on October 20th will travel to Colorado to play the Rapids at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And then October 23rd, the team comes home to Seattle, to Lumen Field, to play Sporting Kansas City at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. So number two and number three teams in the West, the number one team will face them both in back-to-back games. Uh, the Seattle Storm, uh, just a quick injury news and team note, uh, as well as a league note. Okay, so not that quick. Um, Injury-related-wise, Brianna Stewart underwent successful surgery for a minor repair and reinforcement of the Achilles tendon in her left leg. And then team notes related, the 2021 All-WNBA teams were announced. Brianna Stewart and Drew Lloyd earned first-team honors. Stewie finished third in MVP voting and became the fastest player in league history to record 2,500 points and 1,000 rebounds in her career. In league-related notes, the WNBA commissioner Kathy Engelbert outlined a transformative plan to pivot the league from survive to thrive. Um, Just considering how the league has been growing in past years and growing and growing and the talents there, the Sky had a great finals, Chicago Sky, win their first title in franchise history just considering everything with the league and how they've been a trendsetter going forward um you know with social justice and vaccines um you really would hope that you know there is more support that is shown uh for the league just because of the way that they do things right but that is to be seen and it'll be interesting to see what sort of thing uh, what sort of things that the commissioner has to say in terms of what they will do for this survive to thrive plan. Uh, nothing really else for the storm. Uh, still looking towards free agency as the offseason is officially upon us. Uh, this is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. That is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S.com. Maestro Athletics. I know they've got some restock coming of their Seattle Mariners hats and some Seattle Seahawks shorts. So if you've got the opportunity, I would go check those out. Support local business. Seattle Kraken, we are still in the regular season here. Uh, Actually, no, still. 
the team kicked off the regular season here October 12th at the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they would lose that game four to three. Player of the game would be Vince Dunn. Dunners had one assist, three shots on goal, two hits, two gross value added, and two takeaways. The team goes to Vegas in the season opener, plays you know a team that has the championship or bust label, Stanley Cup or bust label, and they push them. You know, this game was tied three three until a controversial sort of kicked puck uh, goal. So that, you know, for them to go and fight the way they did to come back from down three zero and to, you know, go to in a game that you should have probably went into overtime uh, against, you know, a team like that. I'm, I'm okay with that result. Just considering that this is a team, the franchise's first year in the league. Um, October 14th at the Nashville Predators, the Kraken would pick up their first win in a four to three score, similar to the last game, but obviously they would win this game. Uh, player of the game would be Brandon Tanev, two goals, two shots on goal, four hits, one gross value added. And then in this game, the Kraken would also have their first fight and who would it be? But last game's player of the game, Vince Dunn. October 16th, the team would travel to Columbus to play the Blue Jackets. They would lose that game one to two in overtime. The Kraken's first overtime game. Player of the game would be Brandon Tanev with one goal in two periods. Uh, no, in the second period, uh, three shots on goal, two hits, and two blocks. Uh, and then October 18th to finish out the week for them, uh, at least you know in our time frame, uh, they would play the Flyers in Philadelphia, and they would lose that game one to six. Uh, player of the game would be Carson Soucy with one goal. Uh, in injury-related news, October 13th, uh, the team placed forward Marcus Johansson on IR. He had a lower body injury. So here's a, here's a teaching point for everybody that's new with hockey. Um, injured reserve in hockey is different than, per se, the NFL. Injured reserve in hockey is uh, the player that is a player that is placed on IR isn't eligible to compete in NHL games for at least seven days. They may attend meetings, meals, travel with the club, as well as participate participate in practice, but they cannot play in games. So ultimately it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, with NFL IR used to be like eight weeks uh, or till mid season. Now it's just three weeks because, you know, of last week, last year in the pandemic. But it's interesting to know that, you know, NHL uh, injury reserve is a little bit different. Uh, and then October 16th, Vince Dunn missed the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets and since then has been considered day-to-day with an injury. In team-related news, October 11th, the franchise claimed forward Alex Barre-Boulet off of waivers from Tampa Bay. October 13th, they recalled a forward Cole Lynn from the Charlotte Checkers, their AHL affiliate, and reassigned forward Alexander True to Charlotte. October 14th, Dennis Cholosky would be claimed off of waivers by Washington. In league-related news, San Jose Sharks player Evander Kane was banned 21 games for violating the NHL COVID-19 protocol. This more than likely stems from the fact that Kane tried to use a fake vaccination card. So I would have to figure that that factors in. Um, Looking at, oh, whoa, pardon me. I don't have the... Uh, I don't have the record and standings here. The one thing I miss, that's pretty important. Let me get that back here. The team is one, two, and one. That is one win, two losses, and one overtime. Uh, they only get three points out of that. I believe it's you get one point if you go into overtime. 
even if you do lose. So that's something they get two points for the win. Um, division wise, I'm not a hundred percent sure where we sit in the division. Let us take a look here. The Kraken are now fourth in the Pacific Division. Uh, they have played the most games in the division, though. Uh, wow, Vegas is second to last. That's weird. Hmm. They've only played two games, so yeah. So Kraken getting a lot of games going on early on. Uh, looking ahead, they play October 19th at the New Jersey Devils. And on October 23rd, they come home to Climate Pledge Arena to play the Vancouver Canucks. Um, the Vancouver Canucks at 7 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. This is the home opener at Climate Pledge Arena. The OL Rain, it was a transition over to the rain here. October 13th at the Portland Thorns uh, in the first game of the week. They would tie that game one to one. Uh, player of the game would be Megan Rapino. Pino has scored on an 86 minute penalty kick. She had four shots, two on target, leading the team in shots despite being a 62nd minute. Uh, a 62nd minute sub uh, October 16th versus the Washington spirit back at home. The final home game of the regular season, the rain would lose in front of their home faithful zero to two. No play of the game, no goals, losing effort at home. Shocker. No goals. Uh, the injury report for the match against. No, I'm going to talk about it. Um, At least in my personal opinion, it really feels like these past three games, even going back to the Chicago game, yes, where they put up three goals, the rain have really felt like they've been lacking that energy, lacking that, you know, that electricity, lacking that effort. And, you know, I was frustrated in the press box following the game against Washington because it was last regular season home game of the year. And you, you, you leave that result, but for one, this is a Washington team that has been streaking. That's find itself now in third place in the league. Um, and, you know, if, if the rain lose their last game of the season and Washington wins, then they would, Washington would overtake the rain for second place and Washington would get a first run by and the rain would have to play on wild on the uh, 7th, November 7th, as opposed to playing on the 14th. Um, but just considering everything that's taken place in the league, uh, you know, with um, everything following Paul Riley and, you know, with the Washington spirit, uh, as well as, you know, the rain playing three games in the past week, you know, playing on Sunday, playing on Wednesday, playing on Saturday. Um, these women are dealing with a lot right now. Um, so I have to take off the journalist hat and be in the human standpoint and realize, you know, this is a lot of shit for them. So uh, props to the rain, difficult week, difficult past few months, you know, with all the stuff that's been going on around the league, uh, difficult to deal with. And I wish them all the best because I know, you know, um, I only know so much of this story. The media and the fans only know much so much of the story and, you know, can only imagine what these women have to deal with. Um, in terms of injury news, the injury report for the match against Chicago, nobody was listed. Oh, that was Mitch against Portland. My apologies. Nobody was out and nobody was questionable. Uh, the injury report against Washington, Rosie White was out with an excused absence and nobody was questionable. 
Uh, League-related news. We got a lot of league-related news. Uh, The United Super League will launch in 2023. The new league is expecting to double the number of women's professional teams in the United States. This will be a professional Division II women's league. Uh, Compensation structure and professional standards will be consistent with that of the men's professional leagues. It will work as a complement to the USLW League, which will begin its inaugural season in 2022. The USLW League is an amateur level developmental league considered semi-pro giving college players the opportunity to play alongside international players while maintaining their collegiate ability eligibility already announced 16 members uh 16 club member clubs and more than 30 teams for the uslw league uh in other league news the nwsl final was moved to louisville Uh, the league moves its final from portland at the request of the players uh, who did not want to play the final at a 9 p.m. 9 a.m. kickoff uh, or on turf. Uh, the U.S. soccer president, Cindy Parlo Cohn, is heartbroken over the abusive behavior and sexual misconduct allegations in the NWSL. Uh, the Washington Spirit majority owner, Steve Baldwin, informed the club's other investors of his intention to sell his stake. Um, the NWSL named the 1999 FIFA Women's World Cup Chief Executive Marla Messing as its interim CEO. For the reign, they sit at a 12-win, 3-draw, 8-loss record with 39 points at second in the table. Looking ahead, their next match isn't until October 30th at Kansas City NWSL. So we go to an international break for a little bit here, but we will be back uh, on October 30th. Seattle Supersonics. This isn't Supersonics news. This is NBA news. Uh, a record number of female refs are in the NBA now. Daniel Scott becomes one of the NBA w, no the NBA's newest full-time officials and six women of the league's current staff, the most ever at one time. Heading into UW athletics here, uh, Pac-12 and General College news. The NCAA will review testing standards. A NCAA task force will recommend the D1 and D1 initial academic eligibility standards no longer use standardized testing scores. So that is interesting to hear. Uh, Heading into football, the game recap against UCLA. The team would lose this game 17 to 24. Um, You know, it's, it's funny with, with, uh, UW and the status of the American football teams in Seattle. Uh, both of them suffer from an inability to properly utilize the t- talent they have on the offensive side of the ball. Um, play calling continues to be a fallacy. Uh, it continues to be an issue on the offensive side of the ball. The defense has great talent, but is underperforming. Um, and overall their seasons already look done. I mean, if I'm, just being totally real about how I feel both of these seasons, you know, for the Huskies and the Seahawks, I highly doubt seeing a postseason for Seattle, really. Um, hardly see that. Uh, just considering the way that it's been played, uh, as well as the division that you're in right now, with the the Cardinals being undefeated and the Rams being one loss, a one-loss team, I believe they're five and one now. Um yeah, it's just, it's hard to imagine. Um, game leaders, yeah, that's all I have to say. It's just 
this is a disappointing time for American football. Um, passing Dylan Morris completed 20 of his 30 attempts for 184 yards, one touchdown and two picks rushing Kamari pleasant led on the ground with nine carries for 80 yards receiving wise Rome Adunze had four receptions for 58 yards in the touchdown tackles 10. What? Give me one second. I wrote the 10. I wrote the stat for what happened here, but, um, in terms of who the actual player was, not listed. So let's just fix that. Uh, Edufan Ilofosio had 10 tackles, total eight solo. And turnovers-wise, Jackson Sermon forced one fumble. The team sits at a two and four record. Hey, look at that. They're even similar in record. Um, team sits a two and four record. I mean, UCLA is five and two, but still to have that game be in reach, it is frustrating. Uh, two and four record. They are six in the Pac-12 as a whole. Fourth, no, fifth in the Pac-12 North. Their national ranking is unranked. Uh, no team news, but COVID news around the college football. Uh, Wazoo coach Nick Rolovich was fired Monday. He was terminated for cause after not complying with the vaccine mandate. His assistants who were unvaccinated were fired as well. Uh, just to dig on the coups a little bit more. I remember in Rolovich's uh, opening press conference when he was hired, he he stated, you know, we're here to win the Apple Cup. That's the focus. That dipshit never coached in an Apple Cup. So good job, dummy. Your team's actually playing well, and you go and screw yourself over out of a lot of money. So, hey, man, sucks to suck. Uh, looking ahead for the Huskies, October 22nd, they will travel down to Arizona to play the Wildcats at a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Arizona is down to their third string quarterback. If you lose that game, I don't know what to tell you. And then you got Oregon in two weeks. Yay. Um, transfer over to men's soccer here. Uh, October 16th, the team would travel to Gonzaga to play the Zags. Uh, Bulldogs, not Zags. I mean both, but me saying Gonzaga and the Zags in the same sentence seems redundant. Anyway, the Huskies would win that game three to nothing. Player of the game would be Charlie Ostrom with four shots, two on goal, and one goal. Shout out to Charles. Uh, team related news UW is the only D1 team that has won all of its matches, as well as Ryan Saylor earned national team player of the uh, national team of the week honors for the second straight week and the third time in the last four. The team sits at a 12-0 record, first in the nation, and first in the Pac-12. Their upcoming game is October 22nd versus Oregon State. The women's soccer team played October 15th at Arizona. They would win that game by a score of 4-1. to Player of the game would be Summer Yates with one goal, two shots on target, two shots total. Their win-loss record is 14 wins, six draws, and whoa, four wins, six draws, three losses. They are unranked nationally, seven in the Pac 12. Their upcoming games are October 21st versus UCLA and October 24th versus USC. Volleyball uh, would play two games over the past week, both of them in Oregon. October 14th at number 13th ranked Oregon. They would win that game by a score of three to two. Player of the game would be Claire Hoffman with 22.5. Total points, October 17th at Oregon State. They would win that game three to nothing. Player of the game would be Claire Hoffman with 16.5 total points. 
In team-related news, LMA Powell moved up to number eight in career aces in UW history. And Samantha Drexel moved up to number nine in UW history in career kills. The record and standings, the team volleyball team sits at a 13-3 record, 10th nationally ranked, second in the Pac-12. Their upcoming games are against October, uh, against Cal on October 26th, 22nd, my apologies, and Stanford October 24th. So, my goodness, another big week um, in Seattle sports. Seahawks loses the Steelers on the road in prime time. Uh, they will play the Saints in prime time next week on Monday night. The Mariners continue their offseason quest as they wait for the offseason to approach and for free agency. The Sounders continue to chug on through the regular season with two important matchups against the number two and number three ranked teams in the Western Conference. The Stormer in their offseason officially now as the WNBA finals have completed uh, with the Sky taking home the title. Uh, the rain go on international break as they hope to secure a first run by October 30th against KC in the final game of the season. Uh, the Kraken get their first win, suffered three losses over the past week, but still a relatively tough schedule. And UW athletics outside of volleyball, women's soccer, and men's soccer continues to suck. And by that, I mean football. So, with that being said, it's been another fun week of covering Seattle sports. We will see you all back on October 25th. Uh, until that time comes, I need you guys to take care, and we will see you back next week. Baba Booey.